You are now about to witness the strength of these nuts. On no loops. On no loops. One, two, one, two. You are now tuned in to another episode of On No Loops. Yay, yay. I'm Marcus. I'm Gene. And thank you for listening once again. Or if this is your first time, thank you for listening for the first time. And you got to catch up. Yeah, you, you should catch up. That's, that's good advice, Gene. Thank you. <laughs> On this episode of On No Loops, mm-hmm. we're going to discuss the recently released Defiant Ones documentary about uh, Dr. Dre and Jimmy Iovine. You mean they remade the Tony Curtis City Poitier movie? It is not the Tony <laughs> Curtis and City Poitier movie from 1958. <laughs> but I'm curious as to why they took that name. But um, one's black, one's white. Shit. <laughs> <laughs> yeah. <laughs> well, thank you for joining us on On No Loops. Next time we'll discuss. Oh, me find me. All right. <laughs> no, but so okay. So this was recently released on HBO. It's a four-part documentary series or docu series, if you will. Mm-hmm. It was uh, directed, written, and executive produced by Alan Hughes of the Hughes Brothers. They directed some music videos, uh, most notably movies. Mm-hmm. They they actually directed uh, Brenda's Got a Baby. And uh, if I believe they did If My Homie Calls and Trapped. But I know they definitely did Brenda's Got a Baby. Yeah, and of course, notable films, one of which being uh, Menace to Society. Menace to Society in 1993, yeah. uh, Dead Presidents, American Pimp, the documentary, uh, From Hell, which was a movie about uh, Jack the Ripper, and uh, Book of Eli with Denzel. Yes. And um, Alan Hughes by himself directed the I Need a Doctor video, if you remember that. That was a failed single from, <laughs> from Detox. It literally feels like a lifetime ago, but I still remember the shit like it was just yesterday, though. You walked in, yellow jumpsuit, cold boot, crack jokes. Once you got inside the booth, told you, Mike Smoke with the friends. Some of them I put on, but they just left. They said they was riding to the death, but where the fuck are they now? Now that I need them, I don't see none of them. All I see is slim. Fuck all you fair weather friends. One of the many... Yeah, uh, uh, leaks and singles and whatever's to get detox started, but it never got started. Yeah, yeah, yeah it didn't. Yeah. <laughs> yes. Oh well. Some people are out there still hoping, but uh, <laughs> it's not gonna happen. Well, I think after you watch this documentary, it'll be clear that that's never coming out. Yeah. yeah. <laughs> but yeah, so th- there was supposedly like a three and a half year process to make this documentary. They started in 2014. Mm-hmm. All along the way, you could definitely see the detail that was put into the work. And, of course, we're going to discuss how it came out. Your thoughts. Okay. I'll tell you what I liked about this series. What did you like? And right off the bat, I'll tell you I liked more than I didn't like. The documentary was very, like, well-crafted. Like, they had very interesting transitions between scenes. The cinematography was really well done. They had a couple of interesting piano transitions. I'm not even sure exactly how they did it, where they would show like Tom Petty playing something on the piano, and then Stevie Nicks would be playing something. They would kind of transition to her. I thought that was pretty cool. What else? Oh, like even like as far as like musical blends, there's one moment where they blend uh, Snoop's G's and Hustlers with uh, Nine Inch Nails Closer. I thought that was cool. Whoever did the music design kind of had a DJ's ear, and I thought that was dope. 
Yeah. And, and appropriate considering it's a documentary about music. The way they used, and this this goes along with just like the, the crafting of the documentary, the way when they introduced DOC, who hadn't been in the documentary up until this point, they introduced him with an acapella of It's Funky Enough. And, yeah. and, and, they, and you see them like putting the makeup on his face or whatever. And, and at the same time, they're talking about how his face was like reconstructed. Yeah. So they're talking it, about his face being reconstructed. And it's and almost they're like they're doing it right there. Putting on his makeup. Yeah. At the yeah. same time. And that, that was a that was just very well done. Yeah. And it was dramatic because it's his acapella. And it's like you're watching it with him. And then after they finish playing that, that I think it's the first verse. After they finish it. DLC talks about how it used to be difficult for him to listen to that. So I guess they were playing it for him yeah. as well as playing it for the audience. But yeah. that was that was really well done. Um, and, and stuff like that, just those little touches are just really shows that they really took their time to make this. And I and I, I found that part interesting just because I know that there were stories a couple of years ago stating that he had somehow regained some of his voice. I remember hearing that. So I was curious as to how he sounded. So while they were doing that build up, I was like, you were like, this is great. Oh, this is shit. great. Right. But I really want to hear him. <laughs> you know? Yeah. Yeah. So, uh, yeah, you know. You, if you haven't watched it, you'll get to hear how he sounds and the difference. Yeah. yeah. So, I thought he sounded the same, honestly. He sounded very, he sounded much improved from that Helter Skelter oh, album. Yeah, true. Five dollar pyramid. Oh wow! Yeah. <laughs> yeah, yeah, yeah. He does not sound like that anymore. Well, no, no, not like that. No. To the, uh, get my weed. Get my thirty-five dollars to go to the motherfucking swap meet. But, but okay. But speaking of DLC, I really liked that this documentary. I felt like they gave him his due, unlike Straight Outta Compton. Yes. I, I feel like you really get to see how how important he was to. Trey and NWA and Snoop, you know, he was writing a lot of that early NWA shit. Yeah. And they really didn't show that in Straight Outta Compton. Or, or they may have mentioned it like in a very passing thing. Like, hey, Doc, thanks for writing this or something like that. But the thing that I think with Straight Outta Compton, we want to keep the 16 uh, year old who wasn't at that time's attention. And if we just yeah. load it with a whole bunch of other stuff, it's just going to be like, oh, well, it was three hours, but. Mm. <laughs> it was cool to see hip hop up there. So definitely more detailed than Straight Outta Compton. Yeah. But yeah, I mean, they also, you know, Snoop straight up said, like, yeah, Doc taught me how to write. And I thought that was important. We already talked about this, but just like all the all the footage, high definition footage, like the Jimmy Iovine stuff isn't necessarily high def, but it looks good. And yeah. it's from 
like the late seventies. Yeah. So, and like you were saying, it's like who the hell was filming that? Who had the the forethought to film these studio sessions in nineteen seventy nine? Like exactly. who had who had a camera? Yeah, exactly. Like you know, just him working with Bruce Springsteen. Yeah. Like <laughs> I hope that Bruce is with us for many many years to come. But if he ever has this documentary made about him, you know, years from now or after his death or whatever, it would be very cool to see cuts from him working on Born to Run. Like yeah all the way up to later on in his life. It's great to see that footage. And then, of course, the uh, NWA footage as well. Yeah, I mean, there's yeah, there's footage of, of NWA. There's foot Like you said, there's footage of the World Class Wrecking Crew and the, the club Eve After Dark. Yeah. And they how, even show... And how they, how they, they, like, cut it certain points that simulated a reaction to certain points that they were at in the story. Like Alonzo's reaction to Dr. Dre sneaking towards the... Oh uh, yeah, the DJ, and they they cut the video to make it look like that he was whipping his head around. <laughs> oh yeah, that I yes, that was dope. That was dope, right? Because he was like, because huh? he was talking about like what the fuck, and they like yeah, they like basically paused like some video of Lonzo yeah. to make it look like he was turning around like what the fuck. <laughs> yeah, that was dope. Yeah, but yeah, and there's footage of everything, pretty much everything that they were talking about. There's like some footage of whether it's Jimmy working with Tom Petty or Stevie Nicks yeah. to, like you said, to N.W.A. Dr. Dre is a little kid at home. His his mother. It was yeah. just so loaded with stuff. It was beautiful. Yeah. Yeah. I, I really liked when they showed them recording the the opening skit to Fuck the Police. Oh. And, and um, it was like Doc and Ice Cube and, and Dre. You got to see them doing that. <laughs> The footage of, of Easy E doing his recording was was hilarious. It was. It was. And like you got to see how how funny Easy E really was. It was it was interesting to see um like those pieces coming together to form what you know, made them into this super group that we have in the Hall of Fame now. Yeah. Yeah. If someone ever decides to do a proper documentary just about NWA, they, I would, it seems like they, they have plenty of footage to do that. So yeah, yeah, yeah. that would be dope. That would be, that would be. I also liked that they showed Stevie Nicks doing the song Edge of 17, which is a song that was sampled for Bootylicious. Yes. They they showed that that footage, <laughs> the studio footage. But that was cool.
And and then I think my favorite HD footage was the nothing but a G thing video. Like it uh, looks so crisp. It was. They need somebody there needs to be like a hip hop video preservation society or something where somebody like because there's all these videos out there that are just not unavailable or they're in really shitty form like off of somebody's v- homemade vhs exactly you know what i mean exactly well and, i mean the hip-hop hall of fame supposedly is gonna be getting built soon so okay because there's a lot of videos that were shot on film that they can remaster in hd and that would be amazing yeah. if, if somebody did that so i like that they included d barnes in this she got a decent amount of interview time uh, and even yeah. even not just talking about um dr dre assaulting her but even like leading up to that because she knew them like as friends prior to that yeah so the funny part of me watching that so i i watched that episode maybe two or three times yeah the first time i watched it i i probably walked into the room after doing something and i was like uh seeing her on the screen and i was like oh shit she's on the screen oh shit i missed them talking about it and Uh. Little did I know, I walked in before that right. they talked about it because they were asking her questions before they got to that yeah. point. So I was like, okay. And I sat down, and, and when I saw the first time that I watched that they actually mentioned not only the story but got her point of view along with his point of view, how he felt about the details in the years since and I was surprised. <laughs> yeah. yeah. And it's not, it's actually not the first time he's, he's spoken on it. After Straight Outta Compton was released, he put out a statement, kind of a vague statement, not naming yeah. anyone, yeah. just saying, you know, I'm sorry to all the women I've hurt. But um, again, I think it was really important to have her here to give her side of the story. And, and it's good to hear him at least acknowledge it and apologize for it. It made me think about how they were positioning these interviews. Of course, like we said, it was over the course of three and a half years. Yeah. We did notice that, you know, it was all in different rooms. So I wouldn't imagine that these people were all sitting together. Right. I don't think that they're on good terms. I think they're just. Probably not. Yeah. You know, it was interesting to see that all put together. Yeah. Just a sidebar. No one ever mentions the fact that Dee Barnes was in a rap group. She was in a group called Body and Soul. Body and Soul was D for Pump It Up's group. They only put out one single, but then they were on uh, We're All in the Same Game. Ah, interesting. But yeah, no one ever mentions that. Sister, since we are the mothers of this earth, it's time we start being good mothers from the birth of our children. No time for sleeping, teaching them to fight and win. For the right reason, it's your time, it's your life, living. Proud to be black, young, and gifted. Lifted by the knowledge and taking. Um, yes, yes. <laughs> That's what we do here on On No Loops. There you go. Yeah. One thing that they did, which was funny, was they actually played the clip from Pump It Up from that infamous NWA episode. Yes. I was actually watching <laughs> forgot how old I was. I was probably 12 or whatever. But yeah. I remember watching that episode, and I was kind of like, she's interviewing Ice Cube, and it seemed like she couldn't ask him a whole lot of questions about it, but he was talking about it kind of, and I was like, <laughs> So I think, and then I remember, I think I had missed the NWA part. I think I only saw the Ice Cube, so uh, that was my first time seeing it. Wow. That, 
was an interesting way to set it up. And then, of course, go into him meeting her later. Of course, like, he didn't try to. I'm not trying to excuse anything that happened. But, right. you know, it was interesting for him to go into his brother and how he started drinking and how he just turned into a different Dre. She um, even mentioned that. Yeah. Yeah, she did. So, yes. So, another thing I liked is that I feel like this documentary, more so than Straight out of Compton or All Eyes on Me, like, humanizes Suge Knight. They show Suge Knight in this very friendly football photo he took with <laughs> The Jimmy Kennedys! Ivy. Yeah, 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 that's right, that's right. Kennedy Jr. Yeah. Was in that, was in that photo, yeah. And then you got the Dion Warwick story, which was hilarious. <laughs> the way they simulated it. Yeah. With the pancakes. <laughs> oh, pancakes and Cheerios and like chicken and just ice cream. And yeah. I don't know if he ate all that shit, but I, and I imagine star, he did. And the Star imagine... Tech on the table. <laughs> oh, yes, yes, yes. That's right. I, I imagine he ate all that shit because he's Suge Knight. Yeah, but he's a big dude. <laughs> we all know him as his fearful character, and I think he wants us to know him as a fearful character. It shows that he was friendly and funny, which is interesting because you don't normally see that. Yeah, yeah. I mean, and even in some of the live footage clips that they show, you know, him hugging snoop you know snoop and, and and tupac yeah, yeah yeah it's like you know they they always present him as this big mean guy or whatever yeah. so so that that was interesting um yeah i i found it interesting that uh, dr dre got that dig in on the last oh episode right. they show footage of it's like dre ice cube and kendrick lamar and they're filming a promo for the straight out of compton biopic and dre is talking about it and he's talking about yeah, he's like, yeah, he's, he's like, yeah, we're doing something positive for Compton, and then this stupid motherfucker goes <laughs> and you know runs over this guy, and not um, often at the death, of course. No, but no, just, just the, the, the mention of that. it was just and ridiculous. and well, they apparently happened at the same time, the same day. Suge Knight came to the set where they were filming the promo, and he wasn't let in. Yeah. So then he left, and then got into an altercation, and then basically ran over this guy which it was allegedly an accident but i well i don't know the story but the fact that it happened was yeah it's fucked up it's really disgusting also i like that it just showed how how meticulous dre is in the studio like they show several there's several scenes of of dre working with you you see him in the modern day working with ice cube on the compton album you see him coaching kind of cube on how to deliver his yeah yeah but then you also see him doing that with early NWA stuff. Yeah. Like him, you know, being the maestro. And you also see him in a Compton session. He's trying to tell his drummer how he wants the drums. And you can see that he's a perfectionist. Yeah. And that also ties into how Bruce was with Jimmy. With with the stick. Yeah, exactly. Stick. Yeah. Stick. Yeah. It, they also just show a lot about how much he loved music from the top. You know, from Nirvana to... Oh yeah, the Marvin Gaye remix that he was working on. To, right, you know, this is a a very small thing, but I liked how they edited Snoop's rant during the Source Awards. <laughs> so if you watch the Source the ninety five Source Awards when it aired, you know it was edited, and I don't believe there is unedited footage available. But whoever edited uh, the documentary took the time to reverse the the curse words so that you could hear him saying "fuck." 
I just thought that was cool. As somebody who's done that before with like songs and stuff, like I've taken songs where they reverse the curse words and like unreverse them. Mm-hmm. Like you can hear it. Maybe if you didn't watch the Source Awards, you wouldn't you wouldn't catch it. But but I, I caught it. But I like that they did that as opposed to just leaving it unedited. Right. Right. Or, or right. leaving it edited, so to speak. Right. I right. thought that was cool. In general, Dr. Dre doesn't do a lot of interviews. So to hear him do talk as much as he did, and then you see footage of him with his like his wife and his daughter, that's like very rare shit. You don't get to see that. Yeah, yeah. I mean, he, I guess for the most part, just put everything out there. I mean, him speeding, uh, all these different pieces. And yeah. it's just kind of like, if you're somebody who has to interview him later, like, what are you going to do? What are you going <laughs> to ask him? What are you gonna ask a few him? Th- I think th- there's a few things. Well, but, there there were some. Well, you continue. Yeah, I'll, I'll, yeah. There's I'll... there's some omissions, but he revealed a lot here, and yes. that was that was cool. I like that both Lonzo and Snoop I thought were hilarious. <laughs> yes, yes, they um, were. Snoop, like we said, just got a lot of camera time, and yeah, he, he got to talk about yeah both Jimmy and Dr. Dre and uh, busting out an Italian accent, <laughs> and just yeah. like talking about fuck the Rolling Stones. Yeah, that was funny. Yeah, I liked when Dr. Dre was talking about how he like when he discovered DJing. He said he watched uh, Davey DMX, and that was how that was how he discovered what DJing was. When they talked about how he used like the uh, left and right fader, um, they actually panned the sound from the left speaker to the right speaker. So I thought that was cool. It, you know, <laughs> whatever. <laughs> whatever. I like fine touches. She all do. right. Um, and then yeah, yeah, we mentioned Tupac's dramatic entrance. They show, and again. Um, the Hughes brothers directed Brenda's Got a Baby, so that's probably how they got the footage. But yeah. they show some long footage of him walking him in slow it, motion walking. that you know was from Brenda's Got a Baby, the black yeah. and white with him yeah. with the starter jacket and all of that. Yeah. And playing in the background um uh, so many so tears. many tears. Again, yeah. once again, they start the intro Tupac with so many tears. Yes. Just like the All Eyes on Me movie. Yeah. I mean, again, one of his best songs, so I, I get it. I feel like that moment, not just that moment, but the third episode does more to convey like the power of Tupac than the entire biopic. I feel like like that was such a dramatic moment. Like I remember we were watching it in the Defiant Ones, and we were just we just got really quiet. Exactly. Like you just kind of it's intense. It was it, really it intense. It is. It is. It is. It is. And. I was waiting for somebody to talk over it, and I was like, "No, nope. you shouldn't talk now." <laughs> right. But that was dramatic. And then I was thinking about some of the things that we mentioned in our episode that didn't really jive with us that were shown in the movie. Like, for example, they did show the House and Blues footage, yes. which they tried to mock the gestures of in All Eyes on Me. But he was rapping something different in All Eyes on Me versus House of Blues. House mm. of Blues, he was rapping Troublesome 96 yeah. because that was a dig at Nas. But 
obviously all eyes on me wasn't trying to build up his beef with Nas. They were trying to build up his beef with Biggie. Murder, murder, my mom's state. Shit ain't changed since my last rhyme. The crime rate ain't declined. Niggas busting shots like they lost their mind. Like 25 to life never cost their mind. Tell me young nigga never learned a thing. Dead at 13 cause he yearned the bang. Sent a lot of flowers, but how could I cry? Tried to warn a little nigga either stop or die. I noticed that, and then, of course, the complete matchup of uh, the Defros East announcement and him talking about Nas. Of course, right. Nas didn't say anything about it. In his oh, no, that's right. Time. That's right. He didn't mention Tupac. That, that, that's, that's a good point. Yeah, yeah, yeah. I appreciate and respect Puffy for all the things that he does, but interviewing him is just, I don't know, man. Well, I mean, he's going to talk about himself a lot. He just... Even even the the first comments, he said something real ridiculous at the beginning. It's like that that's that's a motherfucker motherfucker or something like something mm. talking about Jimmy Hyphen. I forgot yeah. what it was in yeah. the first episode, and then just the intro of him, which I thought was kind of silly in the third episode when they're talking about the bad boy versus Death Row, and they show him getting the makeup touch up, and it's like, oh well, come on, he, he's not. I don't gonna... know. I mean, I guess that's just. That's a part of his mystique or whatever. I don't know. But <laughs> he like he starts to talk about Tupac and he just kind of stops. What did he say? He said, it's a slippery slope. Like, yeah. I don't want to. He just kind of stops short. of yeah. actually really saying something substantial. Yeah. Yeah. I was just like, what did he add? Like, yeah. I mean, obviously it wasn't about Biggie. I mean, of course, Biggie was related to it, but they weren't really asking questions about the whole Not beef. So he didn't really have much to say. <laughs> yeah. You know, he talked about the Source Awards night and how much tension was there, but I don't know, man. Yeah. So what else did you like? Um, The last thing was just a very minor thing. They showed Dr. Dre uh, watching footage of, of, like, news footage talking about Prince's estate. I thought that was interesting because mm-hmm. it kind of puts a, a timeline on or a time stamp on when they were filming it. And, you know, you could maybe draw some parallels between Dre and Prince. So I found that interesting that they showed that. Right. That's it. That's it for me. Okay. So, well, a lot of the things that I liked, you like too. So I'm yeah. not going to uh, go too much into it. But obviously, I liked all the details, 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 the vulnerability especially on uh, Jimmy Iovine's part, just talking about his relationships, especially um, with the uh, uh, breakup um, with Stevie Nicks, um, his concern about where his relationship went with uh, Tom Petty over the, um, the song that he wrote for Stevie, how he feels that he's not even sure if their relationship is right today. Right. You thought about that, all the family situation that he was going in. And of course they were interviewing his sister too, um, losing his dad and his relationship, his first marriage. And then his, you got to see uh, clips of his second uh, wedding. Um, the puffy. Yeah. Puffy was there. <laughs> um, <laughs> so actually, Everybody was there. Everybody was there. Oprah yeah. was there. Yeah. Like, if you didn't know anything about Jimmy Iovine, if you just think he's the guy with the hat and <laughs> straight out of Compton. Um, Motherfucker with the hat. Yeah. <laughs> you you learn so much more about him as a person, as an exec, how deep his roots are in this industry. 
you know, I just for years n- knew him as being the guy's name that I read on the back of a Tupacalypse Now album, you know. Right. So, you know, they did, of course, talk about Tupac's early career and they shed some a little light about um, his bail when um, he got out of jail. But um, go ahead. there's apparently a dispute about who bailed him out. So yeah. in, in the documentary, they say that basically Jimmy Iovine in, in, in Interscope gave Suge the money to bail him out. Yeah. But then Time think, Warner. Yeah. Time Warner exec said that they, they were responsible. Yeah. But like, then like Daz recently came out with a YouTube video where he says that that's not true. That, that like death row bailed him out. So I don't know. It's whatever. Yeah. <laughs> this, there's some pride being divided. A lot of the uh, other things that I liked were dealing, dealing with adding to the story and how it is that I could only imagine how much of this that they must have approved because I know that at the end of the day, it must have gone back to Dre and Jimmy. And um, I was like, hey, you actually let that get put in. I I definitely respect that because that doesn't make Mm. you look so great. (laughs) You know, every time that that happened, some piece to the story and piece to certain puzzles, I was just like, yeah, that's great. That's great. Probably the one or two things that I didn't already know was probably the specifics of the Eminem signing, the whole thing with Chronic being uh, not initially well received, and then yeah. the the, the they fuck, had to shop it. Yeah, the fuck the police thing. Um, I did not know that. Oh, about yeah, it almost didn't come out. Right. Yeah, because Doctor Dre was going through some things. Right. Yeah. So I I learned that, and then um, Jimmy's background was all new to me. I mean, to be honest, yeah. you know, I did not know that all of the records that he worked on I had no idea yeah so. and most of the records that he worked on were like really successful or like were considered like a breakout album for those artists yes 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 so he definitely had a golden touch so mostly it was jimmy's background and those couple facts were right. things that i learned yeah me too so. um yeah so a few things the fact that Nirvana is Dr. Dre's favorite rock band. I didn't know that. I didn't know that Dre was in a dance crew called the Freak Patrol. <laughs> that was news to me. He, he stopped dancing because he was always number two. He could never be number one. Yeah. So I didn't realize how important J.J. Fad's album was to, yeah, I didn't to know that. N.W.A. So apparently, you know, the, the album Supersonic, because it was successful, because it, it came out first, like a few months yeah. earlier. Its success is what helped them make the NWA and EZE albums. Yeah, yeah, because so, they they had that funding happening yeah. after a gold album came out. Yeah, and also, real quick, the uh, all the information with uh, Dr. Dre's brother and the effect that it had on him, and of course, the whole story behind uh, his death. Yeah, so that was new to me. I didn't realize that Dr. Dre was doing weekends in jail because of the paintball incident mm. that you mentioned, and that yeah. fuck the police came from that. Because <laughs> that was definitely not in the movie. Yeah, 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 yeah. And yeah, you mentioned like like death and loss. That was a big thing with Dr. Dre. Like he lost his brother. DOC lost his voice. NWA lost Ice Cube. And he very briefly mentioned that he lost a son in uh, in 2008. He yeah. had a son who died from a dr- drug overdose. And he like very briefly mentioned that. There's a scene where he's talking about how death and loss have kind of been over, been a part of his entire life. Yeah. Yeah. I, I guess he got to the point that he felt like it was, it was enough. Yeah. So he didn't want to go into too much detail on that. Yeah. Yeah. I didn't know that the chronic 
the the term the chronic came from hydroponic. I didn't know that. <laughs> I thought the chronic is just what everybody in LA called weed yeah. or a type of weed, but it was just a basically Snoop mispronouncing hydroponic. That's where it came from. <laughs> I didn't know that the chronic was pretty much released as it was presented. Basically, they had a finished product complete with mixing, mastering, and artwork and just shop that around. Yeah. So what we got is basically what they shopped. Yeah, well, I mean, you did have the Jimmy reaction in the movie. Like, who who, who, who made this for you? <laughs> well, yeah. well, yeah, and that's the thing. I think that was key because Jimmy, as somebody who produced and engineered, recognized the craftsmanship that went into that album, whereas other A&Rs or label heads wouldn't get that because they didn't actually make music. Yes. In the G-Thang video, because it's in HD, you get to see that Sugar Free was in the video. Oh. With some of his women. Uh-huh. Um, <laughs> I didn't know that Gerardo was the first Interscope artist. I knew he was an early artist. I didn't know he was the very first. Rico. You know, which makes sense. I was kind of surprised that they didn't, he didn't get interviewed because he ended up having like an executive position at Interscope years later. What? Yeah. So <laughs> I was surprised he didn't get interviewed. I, I, I like that when they talked about how Jimmy and Dre came up with the idea for Beats, you know, Jimmy was telling Dre that, that somebody had wanted him to endorse like sneakers. And Dre was like, I don't know anything about fashion. I wear the same shit every day. <laughs> I, thought, I thought that was funny. Okay. So that's that was about it for me as far as what I learned. So what didn't you like? What didn't I like? Oh, uh, real quick. Sorry. A couple of surprise moments. One was they showed footage from MTV News. And if you remember Tabitha Soren from MTV News, when they were talking about the controversy around niggas for life. She very plainly said niggas for life with no hesitation. And back then you could say niggas on MTV. Hearing it now is kind of jarring. Yes. <laughs> but yeah, back then it probably wasn't a big deal. Also, I don't know what's up with this, but when they showed Tupac recording California Love in the booth, he was in the booth with Smith & Wesson. Yeah, I was kind of squinting. I was like, whoa. Yeah. Am yeah. I looking at it wrong? Yeah. Like, like no, I know. Yeah. <laughs> I know there's something wrong with me. I was like looking. Like Yeah. And so I don't know if that was when because he was definitely recording California Love. Like he was definitely recording that. Yeah. Now I don't know if that was the first recording or if he was doing a remix. I have no idea. But they definitely show him in the booth recording California Love with Smith and Wesson by his side. I have no idea what's up with that. I guess I guess he was just down with them for a while. I mean, yeah. you, we of course have to remember. I mean, of course we know that they did have the recording sessions later, exactly. but we of course have to remember that the course of time from when he got out of jail to when he died was very short. True. So, I mean, it was less than a year. Yeah. So, uh, for for him to get to know them and all of that had to happen fairly quickly. Yeah. Of course, there's the fact that Redman and Method Man were on that album. So, yeah. I mean, there were East Coast people that he did like. Uh, yeah. 
but, but like you said, like I wasn't surprised to see him in a booth with Smith and Wesson. Just we, at we, that we, time. Just that. Yeah, that yeah. early. Yeah. But but like you said, it was a very short time. So I guess it makes sense. I don't know if Smith, if either Smith or Wesson has talked about actually being in the studio with Tupac when he recorded that song, but that yeah. was surprising. Yeah, yeah, yeah. I would I need to find him on Twitter. <laughs> yeah. Editor's note. After we recorded this episode, Gene contacted General Steele through Twitter, as is a style of the time, and asked him about uh, that footage. And General Steele, aka Steele of Smith & Wesson, said, quote, that is repurposed footage from when we were out there working on One Nation with Pac. So yeah, I'm sorry. Now, what didn't you like? You know what? My what I didn't like are what was missing. Me too. So you want me to launch into that? Yes. Okay. So going backwards from the end, for Jimmy, there were definitely some artists, and it could have been access. It could have been, you know, other issues. But I was really thinking that there probably could have been some other people that could have spoken on his behalf, like Cheryl Crow. Um, you know, she was on Interscope for about 12 years. Um, I was, you know, wondering where she was. I was definitely wondering why there wasn't more mention of Interscope folks altogether. I mean, of course, yeah, you did have Gwen. There was mention of Black Eyed Peas. And of course, Will I Am was there. And you did have mention of Pharrell. You know, Star Trek was on there. And um, yeah, there was no Pharrell interview. Yeah, he wasn't interviewed, but he was mentioned. So I really was surprised, especially since it seemed like it was um, supposed to bring us to current day. But for, you know, the early 2000s, um, there wasn't really a whole lot of stuff that we heard about in regards to Interscope. So I really felt like that that was missing. And then for the record, Cheryl Crow was on A&M Records. It distributed through Interscope, no? Maybe. <laughs> well, I think it was years later. I'm not sure. Okay. But, okay. Yeah. They may or may not have had a relationship. I'm not sure. Well, I mean, I know they both mentored on American Idol at one point. I don't know if it was mm. the same episodes or whatever, but I don't know. Okay. But um, there was that. I was just thinking overall there there could have been more artists to speak on his behalf. And also, I, I agree. Most, also more recent as well. In regards to Dr. Dre... I mean, if we're going to talk about Aftermath, we're only going to talk about four stars, including himself. Let's, mm-hmm. Why don't we talk about the regrets? I mean, we yes. did talk about the first two albums flopping. What about yeah. all these other people that didn't work out? Um, There's a lot more that didn't work out than did. Yeah, and I'm, I'm happy that uh, the people that did work out worked out. I do wonder <laughs> about... You know, fifty not being there. Maybe yes. they did. Maybe that was going to be a part five, and they didn't want a part five. You know, fifty game. You know, a bunch of other people that could have been uh, there. You know, Eve getting uh, uh, interviewed about yeah being on aftermath and then working with him later, right? Especially with Gwen there. You know, I I really wanted to know about the regrets of Aftermath and him talking more about it outside of the first two albums flopping. Yeah. I wondered on Dr. Dre's side about a couple people missing. You want to take a guess who I'm thinking about? Michelet. 
That's one. <laughs> that is um, one. Warren G. That's two. Yeah. <laughs> I was wondering where they were. Um, you know, because I, I, I would think that they would be significant parts of his life. Um, it's possible that because of uh, the abuse being addressed, that bringing on Michelet probably would have been a lot. <laughs> so I don't know. Maybe they thought her voice would make it sound like a joke. I don't know. <laughs> they could just have her sing everything instead of say it. I don't know, man. <laughs> I just, I just like even having her mentioned. I thought was a little not, not having her. Mentioned, they didn't I, mention her at all. Yeah, not at all. Yeah, yeah. I, the fact that they didn't mention her, I thought was a little weird. It was, um, you know, Warren G not being mentioned. Well, yeah. Well, he was mentioned, but he wasn't interviewed, which I thought well, was yeah, yeah. Because yeah. you know, because Warren G introduced Snoop to Dre, so they definitely mentioned that. Yes, but but yeah, he's he's. Absent as far as his actual voice. Yes. Which is disappointing. Yes. Yes. So I was curious about that. I'm not surprised that they didn't interview Luke. So I'll leave that alone. Uh, yeah. I wouldn't have expected that, but that would have been cool. Yeah. But, but I didn't even, I didn't even think about that. Yeah. Just, just the people missing is what bothered me. You know, in regards to Jimmy, it was more just recent. Uh, folks that I was curious about um, why they weren't interviewed at all to really okay. just bring his um, career to present day. Yeah. So for me, what was missing, they didn't talk about, they showed a little footage from it, but they didn't talk about the making of, of DLC's mind-blowing video. So if you remember this video, this is this video was nuts Okay. if you think about it. If you if you were watching videos, you remember the 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 video from Mind Blowing, which is a remix, which is one of the illest remixes ever. A little something for the brethren with intellectually understand it. It's like a message from the one who's getting candid, making a mark on a strength with rhyme ain't like nothing when you're pumping something that bumping did it. It's like I had to make one better than the last one. Close to mistake, none. But something new was needed in the mix to make it as lethal, so lethal that I would think you couldn't be made to invade certain areas. No other jurisdiction, but that was fiction. As you progress and you're enlightened, and the better you're writing by never biting, you're exciting to the crowd. Club congregation, a gathering. Zombies in the street, they'll be thinking you OG. Smooth, wordy example of how I'm living. I get in this prime, pumping records that'll blow your mind. This video was shot after DOC's accident. And the video actually, it starts with, like it shows uh, police lights and you hear audio of a car crashing. And they basically show him, like they show footage of like NWA in a hospital kind of looking sad. Uh, I think it's mainly just, Dre is not in the video. It's Eazy-E and Ren. But then... Like they show scenes of of DLC like on a on on a gurney in a hospital and him like kind of getting up from the the uh, like his soul leaving his body and then going back into his body. So he was basically lip syncing this video while his voice was fucked up. Yeah. But 
you know, it's it's the the audio from the song. But just the mentality that they had to make that video about this life, this harrowing experience that he had, and for them to make a video kind of depicting it, I thought it was crazy. Not crazy in a bad way, just crazy. That's crazy! And and they didn't mention that at all. And I thought they... I, I would like to hear, personally, I would like to hear what their mindset was when they were doing that. There's no J.J. Fad interview. You get to see footage of them in the studio. Yeah, yeah. They, 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 got, they got a lot of screen time, just not present yeah, day. Not present day. There were other ruthless artists that weren't, that weren't mentioned. There's no Terry B., which might seem like, well, why would they include Terry B.? But Terry B. is another woman who accused Dr. Dre of uh, abusing her. Yeah. And she was a ruthless artist. She was a white woman. So it wasn't like it was the first time Dr. Dre had worked with a white woman. Although he didn't really produce much on her album, uh, which I think is why part of the reason why he hit her. I'm the artist, the hardest, executive producer, writer, arranger, so don't be too sure that I'll be played and give the credit away. And let him call me a protege. I didn't come in like a sucker. And I'm not going out like one motherfucker. Yeah, I speak my mind. Don't tell me to shut up. Play me close, homeboy. What up? If your name ain't on it, then my record won't hit. If you don't produce it, it ain't legit. That's bullshit. You're living like a sucker. You're stuck up, souped up. Sorry, motherfucker. A ruthless attack is what's going down. But you ain't got nothing to do with cops. And I produce myself. So I brag it. Go back to wearing sequels because you look like a faggot. World class. You got no class. So when they say let you Yeah, they didn't mention her. There's no mention of Jimmy Z. Listen as he executes the funky flute. He can play it and I know it, so watch him blow it. Right off the speakers deep down in your eardrums. I know you like it, so yo, won't you just come closer? So you can see who's playing that funky sound that's going down and you're saying that Jimmy Z is the one you like to see from the F-L-U-T-E, yeah. Uh -huh. <laughs> um, Yo Mo and Malky. Might as well be a porno flick. Or a porno scene, cause Lois got paid for doing the wild thing. But the consequences was she bore life into strife in a basket full of butcher knives. In God we trust, or in paper we trust, but paper's a must for the love must. Stone is his name, Jackin is how he gets paid. He runs about four moves every day. Cop him a sack and believe it's on if you're rolling them things. Yo, you better get gone. He don't care who you are. Do you hear me, G? All he want is your rims and your sister. Or, perhaps most importantly, above the law. No above the law. You're, you're, I think you're reaching. <laughs> well, no. Maybe with Jimmy Z and with Jimmy Z and Yomo and Malky, I'm reaching very hard. But with above the law, I think they're important to the story. I don't think like the average thinker. Yeah, 
in the back, 187 to the side street pilgrims, pioneering the land, above the lost status with the gat. I found it interesting that Will I Am, he's interviewed, but he didn't say anything about his time at Ruthless. He was in a group called the At Band Clan. Yeah. They only put out one single, I believe. But it was on Ruthless. So I'm surprised he didn't talk about that at all. Uh, or well. maybe he talked about it and they just didn't include it. I don't know. Uh, they, it, they they probably didn't think it was necessary to the two of them. Yeah, it just seems like an interesting link that he worked with both Jimmy Iovine and Ruthless Records. He didn't work with Dre, but you know, there was no Dog Pound interview. I again, I don't think necessary to the overall. Mm. Yeah, I, I mean, um, I would like to have seen them, but I just yeah. really nah. Yeah, you already mentioned Fifty Cent. Although I wasn't surprised by that. I feel like 50 Cent has been beefing with Dre for years. But it still would have been... like They, they even kind of glossed over his story. Like His story is not really in there. Well, they 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 put him in real quick with the little... Uh, you know, playing uh, uh, in the club. In the club. Yeah. But um, I guess because of the way things are now, they didn't really want to throw that yeah. all in there. So, yeah. you know, it's whatever. But yeah. I, the only the only part that I would see necessary was to be bringing uh, aftermath to uh, into the two thousands outside of Eminem and the brief Kendrick Lamar. So yeah, like you mentioned, I mean, there's so many artists on aftermath who were signed and didn't put anything out. Which you know maybe they don't want to highlight the the false starts, but I feel like that actually might lend to the narrative because Dre as a perfectionist, Dre as somebody who won't push it out if it doesn't feel right. It would have been, I think, beneficial to the overall story to say, yeah, we signed King T and Don Robinson and Rakim and Joel Ortiz and Raekwon and Marsha Ambrosius and yes. Matt Schaefer and so on and so on and so on. But he didn't put their music out because he's a perfectionist. Yes. And I feel like that would have it would have lent to the story. A little quick blurb on Shady Records. Oh, yeah, that's true. Yeah. Yeah. You know, that's subsidiary of subsidiary, you know? <laughs> yeah, yeah. But yeah, no, that, yeah, because you know, arguably he wouldn't have had a Shady Records if it wasn't for Dre and Aftermath. So, yeah, why not include that? Yes. There was no mention, and this is maybe a very minor thing, but they didn't mention how Dre kind of transformed himself physically. I feel like maybe... Yeah, yeah. I, yeah. I feel like that might reveal something about him. It, like, it either could have lent to what we already learned about him in the documentary, or it could have revealed something else about his personality that we don't quite get. Like mm -hmm. maybe his dedication to fitness is part and parcel to his dedication to music. Yeah. Yeah. So, yeah. Yeah. That would definitely make sense to uh, kind of enter in there. Uh, especially he did mention real quick about him improving his health. There was no Buster Rhymes. I, I thought Buster Rhymes would have been in there. Really? Well, not just because he was briefly on Aftermath, but because because he's Buster Rhymes, his personality is so oversized. <laughs> I felt like I interviews with him would have would have been interesting at the very least, even though he wasn't with Dre for a while. I mean, you know, for a long time. But I thought that would have been interesting. Uh, yeah, I guess so. I don't. Yeah. <laughs> it's okay if you don't agree. That's fine. You don't have to. And then 
there was no mention of the co-producer, the many co-producers who have worked with Dre. Oh, like, Melman. Melman, DJ Khalil, Focus, uh, Scott Storch, Mr. Porter, Mark Batson. None of those guys got any sort of mention or interview. Hmm. Well, I don't know. <laughs> <laughs> I mean, because they played a major part in his sound. So, but I don't know. Maybe. Yeah, yeah. The um, that that whole mention real quick at the end, and it was literally fifteen seconds about him saying, "Oh well, I'm fifty now, and this is a young man's game. I don't know how much longer." And then Kendrick kind of flips it and says, "Well, I'm I'm thirty, and and uh, you know, this being a whole young man's game, uh, I forgot what his final thought was, hmm. but." You know, I was I was just like, oh come on, you 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 just came out with an album two years ago and it sold. Just <laughs> don't give me that. Hmm. Yeah. Okay. Yeah. So I think that's that was it for me as far as like what was missing. Over- I mean, and it's it's mostly nitpicks. Yeah. I, overall, I I really really enjoyed it. I yeah. I thought that not only for Dre but for Jimmy, it was a good representation of both of them good things bad things showing them vulnerable showing their full stories making them personable um if they weren't already for you because these guys business-wise they're not going away anytime soon between their investments and their names on buildings and all of that so um it's definitely good as far as uh, brand awareness of the two individuals mm. it's good it's good for wherever um their partnership with apple is gonna go you know I, I i enjoyed it a lot yeah no i thought it was extremely well done I, at the end of it i really felt like i, I knew more about both of them again especially jimmy ivy because i didn't know a ton about him and even the stuff with Dre, it just went into greater detail. And you really got to see how things made him feel versus straight out of Compton. Yes. And so, yeah, it was re- really dope. Um, my favorite episode was was the third episode. Yeah. Because of that time period in, in hip-hop was huge. It, it makes me want to do an episode about the Source Awards, honestly. Because uh, there's a lot of things that came out of that award show. Like, hip-hop changed after that award show. Yes, yes, and, yes, yes. Um, I got to see if I can fix I have it on VHS. I got to see if I, if I can fix it, though. Mm, okay, <laughs> um, okay, okay. Yeah. Um, that probably is my favorite episode, too, because yeah. out of all of the things that I have seen on Death Row, Death Row versus Bad Boy, all of that, I really felt like that it hasn't been done the proper justice. Even just, like you said, the Source Awards incident. So, like, to bring in that detail, to put that film, it was like, hey, everybody else who uh, tried to document this before, you weren't doing good enough. (laughs) This brought it home. Outside, of course, you know, Biggie uh, being mentioned because he wasn't really mentioned here. Not really. You know, bringing the death row side of it kind of home and uh, showing everything that was going on. It it, it did a, it did a really good job. Like going in and watching it, I was like thinking, oh, yeah, yeah, here comes the part that I probably know everything about. After watching it, I would say to the crew, like, could you do a, a, a two-parter on just that time? You know, um, I think they would do it pretty well. I, I, I would say the third episode was my favorite, too. 
So, um, in regards to us, you can talk to us about this episode um, and about the Defiant Ones um, via the internet. Of course, the hashtag oh no loops, you can use that. And of course, you can hit us up on Twitter. I am at Old Dirty Plaster, O L D I R T Y P L A S T E R. And I am Urkel Modi, U R K E L M O E D W E. And you can find us on Facebook and in Instagram and YouTube. And <laughs> you can email us too. You could email us. Oh. And everything is on no loops. Yes. We're on no loops on Facebook, on no loops on Instagram, um, on no loops.com, um, on no loops on YouTube. And on no loops at gmail.com. There you Bam. go. There you go. There you go. In parting, um, I would say that we are very glad that you are listening. And um, wherever you're listening, if you have the opportunity to rate us or review us, especially on iTunes, please do. We would yeah. greatly appreciate it. In closing, I would say to uh, be kind but wise and also be on time. All right. So thank you for listening. And until next time, peace. Peace. Damn, that shit was dope.